I'm Jessie Delo, your host of Madly Forever, a podcast in collaboration with The Fullest. Each episode, I'll help people move past their vision boards to create a life and relationship that they truly love. I, sometimes along with the help of my husband, Brian, will interview a variety of experts, psychologists, couples, and business partners to discover the science and secrets to successful compatibility. By pairing my expertise for manifestation with my background in therapeutic healing, I have manifested the life of my dreams. With this podcast, I aim to help others find their optimal alignment as well. This episode has been censored for anonymity. Hi, I'm Jesse Delo here with my husband, Brian. What's up, Madly Forever? <laughs> and we're here with the beautiful couple Haven and Sebastian. Hi. And Hi. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for coming. We're so excited to talk to you today. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, so this is a really inspiring couple who calls themselves monogamish. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I think if we're going to drop a label, that's probably Yeah, as we're good not big it. on labels, but that'll, that'll probably have to do. <laughs> yeah, so no label, but that sort of fluid, open, um, undefined type of relationship. But you are married. Or? We are married. Correct. Correct. Awesome. So, so can you tell us how you met and a little bit about you guys? Sure. We have a, we have a really fun story, um, I think. At least that's the feedback that we've gotten when, when we've told it to people and people have inquired about it. It's um, in a few parts. Um, do you want to begin? Or? Sure. Uh, we worked together at a company, um, big corporate company. I was in one department. She was in another. Worked together, but not together. You know, we're roughly in the same area in the building. Um, so we were familiar, friendly, but not in any way romantically attached. And um, we were in other relationships. And at some point I went off to another company and um, there would have been no reason for us to stay in touch. So we, at that point, parted ways. And then a couple years later, uh, she reached out to me via social media. And at this point, she was at a different company as well and was doing some recruiting and reached out and said, hey, do you want to grab coffee? And, um, you know, it was pretty clear she was recruiting. And I was like, sure, I'll take that coffee. And um, <laughs> so we met up and uh, I hadn't seen her in a couple of years. And when we <laughs> when I had last seen her, she was in her prior marriage and was was pregnant. So yeah, two years on, she walks in for coffee and she's stunning, right? And I don't remember her being stunning. <laughs> I remember her being pregnant and married. And uh, so she walks in and she's super hot. I'm like, whoa. And we start talking and within two or three minutes, I knew it wasn't a good role for me. You know, she was kind of giving the pitch on the role for her, her new company. And um, we ended up talking for two hours. Wow. wow. And it was just, we were just locked in and just conversation flowed, she's wildly interesting, super attractive. I was like, wow. So I asked her out and um, we went out. I, I think I was heading out of the country. We were. And, yeah. We went out on a few dates yeah. and, you know, this was, this was within a few months of my marriage or uh, leaving uh, my previous marriage. And he was also recently out of a relationship. So it was, everything was very new for us. And we went out on a few dates at honestly, just a few. And each of the dates had that the we had, date, the first day was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We for one. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we went out to dinner, talked for two hours, and just we the were chemistry was completely electric. attracted to one another. And Can I say that right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. We fucked on the first day. <laughs> <laughs> we, did. we did. And a success story. Yes, oh, and it was God, a success story. We were, we were very attracted to one another. And so we went out on another date. And then a, a few dates in, I got this call when I was at home, and it was the first time that I had gotten a call like this ever. Um, from another man. And he said, you know, uh, this has been really amazing. I've had such a great time, but I think my ex-girlfriend and I are going to give it another go. We were together for five years and, and I just, I thought that was so commendable. And so I was like, you totally should do that. Like, that's amazing. Why would you, you know, forget about that relationship? You definitely should try it out. And so he did. And we parted ways for, I didn't hear from him, which was fine because there was no intention that we would ever reconnect. And it was about a year and a few months later, I got this email out of the blue from him. And he said, I will, I will save you the details. Are you free for dinner? And Are you I think- recruiting for a job? Happily employed, but single. Yeah. And what was really interesting in retrospect, as we talked about it later on in our relationship, is that, you know, anything could have changed. I could have been in a relationship. I could have had a different number. I could have had a different email. You know, there's so, so many things that could have happened. And so we were both traveling for work at that time. And it took us a few months to get it on the table. But we had a date in December of 13. Mm-hmm. And it was as if no time had passed, honestly, Same from those thing. first We went out to dates. dinner. We talked for two, two and a half hours. The conversation flowed. It's just, she's just, we're just a mesh. Like we had so much to talk about. And, um, you know, I filled her in on the backstory of how my attempt at rekindling things had gone pretty well and then it had gone pretty poorly and we broke up. And, you know, that, that was seven minutes of conversation. And then we just got on with our lives and yeah. just kept talking. And it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, she, to be clear, she, uh, did not nail, we did not, I did not close that one. Like uh, we made out heavily in the front seat and she didn't invite me up. And it wasn't until later that I found out it's because her mom was there. <laughs> she had been like, why didn't you invite me up? Yeah. I mean, not a big deal. This is months later. I'm like, you know, I'm just curious why you didn't yeah, invite me up this time. She's get. like, oh, my mom was there. I totally would have. I'm like, oh, yeah. that would have been nice to know. Um, and then we, you know, we dated and, and really just kind of spent time together for about, I don't know, it was through March and never put labels on our relationship. You know, we both do have children, never, you know, made that decision. Oh, we need to introduce the child. It was just spending time together. And I think, um, well, I know previously we had done so much work on ourselves as individuals that that was the reason that we were able to really come into one another's lives, Uh, made some active changes in his life. And um, as had I, uh, being at this point, almost two years out of my previous relationship. And so I think that that really worked for us um, as our relationship began to form. But it did did come together pretty quickly. I mean, we went on that first, second first date in December. And um, within, you know, three months, it was pretty clear this thing was, had some real momentum and um, by the end of March, early April, it was a thing. Like we were, we were really locked in and um, and committed. Yeah. And um, and that felt really good and really natural. Um, at one point, there was a hint she might move to San Francisco that spring, and so we, in a sense, we had a certain freedom because we thought she was leaving mm-hmm. to say like, uh-huh. let's just have a lot of fun for three or four moment. months, and yeah. we won't even try to do the long distance thing with the kids, and it just won't work. So let's just have a lot of fun for three months and. And then when it turned out that that fell through, we're like, well, we're still having a ton of fun. Why would we not continue this? And then it just, 
it's just always been really easy. Yeah. Uh, and you'll probably hear us come back to this. Um, relationships require energy and input, but if they feel like work, they shouldn't. It should yeah. never feel like work. The energy we put in, and again, we'll probably come back to this. The energy we put in always feels like it's productive and in the service of, of growing something. Uh, I don't think we've ever said we've worked on our relationship. Mm -hmm. It's never felt like work. And so it's a real trigger for us. And we hear people go, we're really working on the relationship. I'm like, okay, yeah. you're fucked. Like that is not, <laughs> right. like, it's not enjoyable. This is not going to work. Right. You should probably yeah. stop doing that. Right. Or but you're focusing on your relationship. You're contributing to your relationship and enhancing it mm -hmm. rather than working yeah. on it. Yeah. Had you felt in past relationships that you had to be working on it oh and, and knew? So this is like, wow, I'm not working on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, speaking for myself, absolutely. Yeah, it it yeah. felt like we were tinkering with things and we were having to fix things and build things that weren't there to make up for gaps. And in this case, it's never felt like that. It's mm -hmm. just felt like we're putting energy into something that naturally works very, very well yeah. and we're growing it. So yeah. It's a very different feeling. And that was one thing that I told to anybody who was interested or, you know, wow, how, how's it working out? You're spending a lot of time uh, with this person. And, and I said, it's just easy. Yeah. And that was the first time I think in my entire relationship life, um, being with another partner that I'd ever said that my prior relationship was, was definitely not. And so that was such a, uh, liberating feeling. And I just was like, I'm going to keep doing this until it doesn't feel that way. And, you know, here we are almost five years in and it, it definitely still feels that way. Yeah. And I think that's one of the luxuries of meeting someone later in life when you know who you are mm -hmm. and you've, like you said, done the work and you're mm -hmm. there you know, showing that person who you are accepting yourself. Mm -hmm. So you said um, previously when we talked, you said that you guys are incredibly honest with each other mm -hmm. and that communication is a big part of why you guys have such a great relationship. Mm -hmm. So how does that work for you guys in, in your communication with, you know, your sexual wants, desires, all of those things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where to start with that. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that's so patently obvious when you tell people like communication is really important, right? All, water's wet. Yeah. Uh -huh. Communication is important in relationships. Everybody knows it. And, and I think we've all been in enough relationships where it wasn't that way, but the knowing how it wasn't, doesn't help you get to how it should, how you want it or how it, how it is with us. Um, I'll, again, I'll, I'll speak for me. I think it was coming into this relationship as you, you know, definitely pinned a relationship I might've started when I was in my twenties or even thirties, I wouldn't have had a career. I wouldn't have had a child. I wouldn't have had savings. I wouldn't have had uh, a sense of self. I wouldn't have grown into through a lot of heartache or uh, struggle. And then you come into a relationship more in the middle of your life. You don't need a kid because you have one. You don't need a home because you have one. You don't need savings because you have that. You have your career. You've made a ton of mistakes and grown through them. Hopefully you've done some work on yourself. And so you come in and you say, I absolutely do not need this person but I want this person because I feel like I'm my best self with them, but you're not filling any gap. There is no gap. I, I, I can say this without this, hopefully sounding offensive. I don't need, I am full, whole and complete without her. And I, I believe she would probably tell you the same thing about herself, but when we're together, we're far more than the sum of our parts. And to be in that position allows you to regard the relationship in a really different way because you don't feel like if I lose this person, I lose a piece of myself. Mm -hmm. I'm not whole. I'm not complete. Um, and so you're, I've personally felt much more confident in taking the perceived risk of being radically honest with her about something like 
sexual needs, wants, desires, identities in a way that I wasn't in prior relationships. Because you had nothing to lose because you had yourself, you had your authenticity. And we see this in people where they don't have a full sense of self and they're not full, whole and complete. And there's that sense of, oh my gosh, I, it would be a tremendous risk to tell that person what I really want. And, and as we'll probably get into, like, you know, if you know what you want or need sexually, and that could be something more in the realm of kink or fetish, or it could be just something around like here, this is what makes me happy. You feel far more empowered to tell that person at some appropriate point in the relationship what those things are. And I think what's been, what's worked really well for us is the timing on when you put those cards on the table. It it clearly wouldn't have been appropriate in the first date, Mm -hmm. um, even the second first date, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it, at some point you do feel increasingly confident to say, Hey, this is what makes me happy. This is what makes me feel complete. And again, it could be something in sexual, your sexual identity it could be also something around your spiritual identity or something around mm-hmm. your financial mm-hmm. identity. Um, all of these things are identities that make us who we are. We've just found that when we look at our own lives and in the lives of our friends, people just take that one and they're like, oh, I can't tell my partner that or else they might leave me Mm -hmm. or they might think X, Y, or Z about me. Whereas at some point we realized if I really am going to have a full, whole and complete relationship with her, she needs to know this about me. And frankly, I need to know that about her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it was Sebastian. So um, it's, I think now that you're on the other side of that radical transparency and honesty, it's probably easy to say, yeah, of course we just should have been, everyone should be radically (laughs) honest with each other. Tell us about, and, and it seems clear to you that voicing even your deepest desires and fantasies has resulted in a more dynamic bond, let's say, but initially, and some of the people listening may kind of agree with this initially maybe it's difficult because that first conversation when you leak that first desire that maybe you wouldn't have in another relationship tell us about how those first couple things worked for both of you and and what you felt uh, inside as you were um voicing your desires we have a very specific um experience when i think the the door was opened Mm -hmm the shades were were opened and the window was revealed <laughs> to our potential yeah. future. Because to your point, we <laughs> didn't start here. We got here. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. so sometimes people are like, oh, wow, we want to get to where you are. I'm like, yeah, well, that's our process. <laughs> because in your previous relationships, were you free like this? To- Not at all. Uh, no. So that I think that's important for everyone to know. Not you know, all. it's like you weren't, it wasn't like you were always this open and this Correct. free. Yeah, so we talked about that. I mean, I am. Um, I I think that I have a very um, high libido, and so does. And and I think that <laughs> it was actually um, suppressed in a prior relationship, and it wasn't until I came into this relationship, and that um, the space was given to allow my sexuality to to fully grow and and ultimately explode, that I realized that it was even I had just this freedom to really to to explore and to be vulnerable and to just be myself in ways that I had never even known possible. And he gave that to me. He gave me that space to do so. And I was like, well, I am all in. And I think because, you know, we, we definitely bounce off of each other. He saw sort of my reaction to what, what he was giving by giving that space. And then I saw it just like, we kind of continued to bounce off of each other. And that's where we find ourselves today. I think the first glimpse, and so back to your question, yeah. um, the the first glimpse I got, we were out, it was in late March, we went out dancing with a bunch of friends and um, we were rolling. So we were, we were on, we were on 
ecstasy. And so we're having a good time and we're dancing and everything's cool. And she's being super flirty with some other women. I don't know that we'd explicitly talked about that. I can't. I don't know. I mean, we're both very I sort of touchy feely. Yeah, we're pretty just... touchy feely, especially, especially yeah. when we're rolling. So. Um, <laughs> which I don't know. I've is never terribly... heard that before. Yeah, <laughs> so unusual. So unusual. That... Yeah, yeah. it's terribly unusual. Yeah. But, um, and then I look over and she's kissing a friend of ours. Yeah. And I was like, that, okay, I was like, that's amazing. So that super works for me. We hadn't really <laughs> talked about it, but I was like, okay, that'll become a conversation. And, um, and I think that opened the door to that conversation. Like, Hey, is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. And, um, so that was maybe the first time the door sure. cracked open. Was that and something you had thought about earlier that you wanted in a partner? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and we hadn't vocalized it. So I think in a sense, maybe mm-hmm. like off the bat, we got lucky. Like, mm-hmm. But did we really? No, not really. I think there was enough signals there. Like uh, like Haven said, we're both high libido people. We're pretty touchy-feely. I don't think that represented like a tremendous yeah. risk. Mm-hmm. And I think two, two women kissing when they're rolling out on a dance floor is probably, again, not like the greatest threshold to cross. But yeah. it was a good opening to a conversation. It was good opening to a conversation. But I think one thing that really... Um, I think we recognized and thinking about that moment in retrospect or that evening is that we didn't make a big deal out of it. One thing that we find, and this may be something we talk about as well, is that in relationships, sex becomes this white elephant in the room and it's a big, big deal. And so I think that one, we communicate so well about everything dealing with sex and relationships because we address it, we address it and we move on. We don't make it this big, big issue. So, I mean, I don't even recall what our conversation may have been after that evening. Probably like, dude, that was hot. Yeah, it was like, that was hot. Fantastic. Let's move on. Um, that is interesting because it is like people view it as like this very sacred sex as a very sacred, very private, you know, something that you have to sort of... Um, maybe keep behind closed doors or like if someone violates that, right? Mm-hmm. But it sounds like in your in your setup, there's other things that are maybe more or like everything's equal. It sounds like like the whole picture is considered. Yeah, the whole picture is considered, I think, is a good way of putting it. Yeah. I, I don't know that we there's still a part of our lives and a huge part of our sexual lives that are ours and it's private and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's not open for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but the parts that we care to share are there. So, yeah, all, I like the way you said that everything is possible and considered within our context. And then if something is new for us, then we will have a Mm -hmm. conversation about it. And also, I think it depends on the complexity of what exactly we're talking about. For example, if another person is brought in and their feelings and emotions Mm -hmm. and heightened uh, sensitivities, then definitely more conversation is necessary. But if you're, you know, (laughs) we're having a moment and it's because it's induced by some other substance and it happens you know, we don't then spend the next 48 hours dissecting what right. that was supposed to mean. Right. Man, people, people get up in their head about shit. Right. We We've cannot seen imagine it. Uh, like the, the level of overthinking and conversation about things that for us is like, that's a short conversation. That's like a yay, nay, five minutes, then move on. And we know people right. who will spin on stuff for weeks. We're like, that's, yeah. there's not that much to talk about. about well, you this. guys are very much on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, you've, like, you've created that sort of struck framework for mm-hmm. your relationship that those, and it seems like you had a conversation that, that, that first conversation, it's like, that's not going to be a big deal. Yeah. 
So and and it wasn't even a conversation, which may be the most important thing. <laughs> right. That was the most telling is that it was like, that was hot. Like, yes, it's like, exactly. Okay, there's you, just, got the, you got the green light. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's yeah. the green light. And yeah. enough said and mm-hmm. see what happens yeah. on the next one. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then things did, did escalate. San Francisco, I yeah. think, was the next. <laughs> yes. That's a fun story. Yes. This, <laughs> Let's hear it. Uh, so we're up in San Francisco. We were staying at a hotel downtown. And... I could not possibly remember what we were up there for or why. And um, it was Saturday. We had been doing San Francisco stuff, running around shopping and, and stuff. And we went back to the hotel room and we fell asleep to take a nap. And I think we had plans to go see some DJs later mm-hmm. um, and took a nap. And I wake up and it's about five in the afternoon or six. And it must have been winter because the sun was down. And I wake up and she's on the tablet. And so I can get the glow of the tablet and I wake up and I'm gragging. What are you doing? And without missing a beat, she goes, I'm looking to see if there's any sex clubs we can go to. And I'm like, wow. Oh, okay, sure. Like, and she said it with such a matter of fact, like, you know, with the thumbs swiping and scrolling and everything. And I'm like, like, I'm looking for a Thai restaurant. (laughs) It was said with the exact same affect as I'm looking for a Thai restaurant. And I'm like, okay. And now I'm like, okay, we've escalated this. And, um, can I, I, I don't exactly know, like, can I help or do you want some, are you good? Can I go get you some water? I, it was one of those things and I'm, I'm like, this is amazing, but I don't like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say. And, but the, you had a positive reaction. Oh, sure. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. And, and it was um, something you had done before. No. So neither of you had done this no. before. I had. Um, you, well, yeah, I, I, I don't, didn't recall that you had, but it doesn't matter. But like I had never done that. a million years okay, prior yeah. and not in one of my committed relationships, uh-huh, just uh-huh. a guy had gone to like, uh, yes, yeah, like seriously 15 or 18 yeah, years before, yeah. but it wasn't something that was a regular part of my life. Got it. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, all right, let's make that happen. And we did. And through the miracle of the internet, <laughs> we found that there was a place in San Francisco for straight people that was like on site, like you go to a place and- um, and let me, t- one of my favorite parts of the story, it's in fucking Fisherman's Wharf. No way. So, so for real, Come it is on. literally in the most touristy part of what? San Francisco next to a straight up collegey bro bar with like oh, a bunch incredible. of like, it, it's, it, it's, is inc- it very underground? Like, would you know it's you there? You would never know it's there. No, you would never know. Wow. You can't tell from the outside. It's like a door. And so, so what it- was that experience like? Um, it was great, as I recall. <laughs> it was hot. Yes, yeah. it was great. I'm, I'm just, you know, we've been a few times since, so I'm trying to In isolate San Francisco, that one. The same yeah, place? that yeah. same one. It's sort of now a thing. I think when we go, Nostalgia. Um, but it was, you know, the experience was really hot and a uh, fun, and you know, it's interesting. I, 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 I don't recall there being any challenges with it. I think no. that. This is okay. So this is something worth saying, and and I don't know if it's the appropriate time, but I'll I'll say it anyway. So when and I have sort of evolved within this sexual universe of ours, very early on, and maybe it was after this night, or during this night, or before this night. I'm not sure exactly. We said, "Hey, we're going to do this together," and so continually in the time that we've been there. Um, going through our, our relationship and had various experiences, we have kept it together. So it's never been, you go off and do something and I'm going to go off and do something. And I think that's one of the reasons that it really works for us is because we see it as we're both joining into this experience and, and getting something very positive and exciting and 
titillating back. And, and then we bring that back to the energy as a couple. Yeah. Hmm. And, and I'm sure at some point, like, you know, we started with the label monogamish and that there's, there's so many ways to, to cut this cake, right? There's so many ways to be open. And we've just found that what works for us is that experiencing these things as a pair allows us to grow the relationship. I, I wouldn't say that that means we'd never do something individually or that that's totally out of bounds, but right now that's just really where it works for mm -hmm. us. And we certainly know people who are open in, in their context, they do have other ways of expressing that as individuals. So there's no right way. So as people listen to this, it's, I don't know that we're laying out a blueprint. This is just how the path that we've found, but there's just so many ways that, that this can work for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we went, we found the club, we emailed them. They're like, sure, party tonight, couples, so much it costs. Here's where we are. And How much does it cost? Um, Like 150 bucks. Yeah, like over $100 uh -huh. for yeah. a couple. Yeah. And then you pay that, for, like, you, 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 you have to bring game. your own alcohol. Um, it, it was like they don't, this. They don't serve alcohol. Uh -huh. Funky. Like so no get, alcohol. Oh, there's alcohol, but you bring you your bring own. It it's yourself. super funny. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So we go... And we're like, we don't know what to expect. One thing I will also say is anytime we do something, it feels like virtually every experience we've had is different in some way. Mm -hmm. It's never wrote. And so we go in with an open mind, knowing that things could go poorly. Like you have to be in that. I think it's really helpful and healthy to be in that mindset. Like we're going to give this a try. And if it doesn't go well, it doesn't mean this stuff can never go well. It means this experience didn't go well. Mm -hmm. And so we went in there going, hey, if this sucks, we're just going to leave and go dancing the way we, you know, mm -hmm. no harm, no foul or $150 poor. And we go and there's this funny little dance floor and they're playing, I think pretty I tragic music and people are a little, if I recall, people were a little nervous and everything. And then they have a few drinks, people loosening up. And it's funny cause it's, you know, straight people ranging in age from like late twenties to late forties, probably yeah. um, ranging in, from kind of average attractiveness to pretty attractive. Like it just was a pretty normal cross section of mm -hmm. middle-aged, like late twenties to middle-aged people. And um, there's like this dance floor and then you kind of go down this hall. And then if you go beyond that, you are in the area where people are having sex and like you room. have to have your clothes off. Yeah. You and have to have your clothes. Yeah, to go in that by area. the rules. And we're like, okay, that's the rules. So. Yeah, and you could go <laughs> and hang out in the front and not ever go back there if you don't want to. There's no, you, you, you can dip your toe in it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we we go back there and we're like, fuck we it, we came toes. here. Like we're gonna we're gonna get our money's worth. We're gonna get our money's worth. <laughs> so we go back there and there's like I don't know, twenty couples or so at, at first, oh, and we're like, yeah. oh my god, there's literally like twenty people like starting to make out and have sex. And we're like, okay. And the energy is so, so different in a room full of twenty or forty people having sex. You're like, oh my god. Yeah. And we're just like, okay, let's just give it a shot. And by, I don't know, like an hour in, there's like seriously 60 odd people. It's crazy. It was. Wow. Uh, I mean, now. if, and again, for your listeners, if you've never been in a room with 60 people, I'm excited. <laughs> it's, it's a, it is crazy energy, the sounds, the whole thing. And like wow. we were in and yeah. I think there's enough of exhibitionist streak in both of us that we're like, okay, we're going to make this fun for everybody. Mm -hmm. And we just went off yeah it did wow. <laughs> like i said we dipped all our toes <laughs> you got you dove right together in. we did yeah, yeah together was... and and the funny thing is is that after i think we were there for like i don't know i'm gonna give it two to three hours or something and we were like i don't know how we came became aware of the time and we had planned on going to this dance club 
and we're like, oh, we got to go. And all of a sudden we're grabbing things and stumbling <laughs> out of there and trying to get a taxi. Put our clothes on, grabbing we a taxi. walk <laughs> out and then that bar downstairs I, that looked like you were, you know, in Irvine or something. It just, <laughs> and we get in and we get in the taxi finally. And we're like, what the oh, fuck just, just happened? happened. What was that? That was insane. And we end up going dancing and like we're dancing with all these people. And in my head, I'm like, you have no idea what, what we, we were just, just doing. It was crazy. Yeah. Wow. That was June of 14. We'd been together like as a thing for three or four months, which yeah. like is obviously things escalated pretty quickly. Like we got to a place where we really fall in love and then we're a serious couple. And then we're like, man, it's on. And yeah, from that point forward, we're like, let's just try stuff and figure out what we like and what we don't like. Sure. And yeah. so what is the conversation? It's like on a Saturday night, you're like, so what do we want to get into? Like, how does it, <laughs> you know, how does it? That's amazing because that sounds like something we'd say. <laughs> um, well, I know you know, you guys. It's, not, it's not that we seek it out every, every opportunity that yeah. we have. It just surfaces. I, I I mean, I think in some ways it's sort of always in the back of our head that maybe there's a possibility that something could happen somewhere. You just get a sense from someone or in terms of places like what we were talking about in San Francisco, we may come across something that's at like an event or something and we may choose if timing works to attend it. But it's not as if every weekend, I mean, we have mm -hmm. the thing about Sebastian and I are that we have varied interests. We are multi, multi-dimensional people. Um, and I think because of that, the time that we have off together could really go in any direction. And that's just one facet of who we are. Yeah. I think that's probably for context, you know, to, to somebody who wouldn't know us just to give like, okay, so 2018, like we screwed around with somebody right after new year's and then went back to that club in San Francisco. We have to be San Francisco in February. And then nothing has really happened again since until just this last weekend yeah. uh, when we were on vacation. So like four or five months. So four and five and six months can go by between things happening because either we're super busy or things just aren't, don't avail themselves or we're just kind of doing our own thing. So it's, it's a facet of our relationship that shows up exactly when we want it to. And then sometimes by just crazy luck like when you're dealing especially if you're talking about a, something sexually adventurous with other people it requires other people and you can't control that right so if there's a are not other people it doesn't matter how much you want that to happen it has it to just, present itself yeah, mm -hmm. and there's an a level of effort that has to be put in for that sure. to happen and sometimes i don't just i, just I don't, don't think that we have that you know it's interesting we um we have interacted with other people who this you know, the, the term lifestyle is there for a reason. It becomes a person's lifestyle. There are definitely individuals and couples out there who make this their entire experience. And that's, I think, one of the reasons we're actually more anti-label than anything, because we do have such diverse lives and, and diverse interests that, that it does not define who we are um, at all. So I, I want to touch upon that. Do you think that's, be are you the norm? Or, or are you not the norm there? Because mm. you hear about people that watch hockey games on the glass and then they don't ex enjoy hockey ever again. Or if, once you fly business class, you can never fly mm. economy class. I mean, oh. is that why this lifestyle becomes such a thing? Because it's huh. so addictive and because it, 
sex is boring if you're not having um, these experiences? You know, I, I, I definitely don't want to speak for other people, but I can say with the people that I've seen and interacted with who make this sort of their experience, my perception is that they don't really have a lot of other things going on and that I'm not passing judgment on that. I think that's just in general with people. You have certain interests, you may have one particular interest. And so, yeah, I think that it's exciting. Um, you know, sex is exciting and it's fun and it makes us feel good. So I think people s seek that out and probably do it with some regularity because it, it, it contrasts to their regular daily lives. And and we've seen this, you know, we're in our forties and we've seen other married couples who it becomes a regular part of their world because that's the most exciting thing going on in their world. And again, that's not passing judgment. That just is. I mean, the reality is, is there's been times when she or I have been training for like a big endurance sports event. Well, that means our whole weekend is cooked with running or riding bikes or doing something and that just means we're not doing anything else, not just sex stuff. It means we're not hanging out with our friends. It means right. that's probably a weekend we don't have our kids and we're just going to focus on that and we want to get to bed early. So um, I would say for me, this feels like a really amazing spice that we get to throw into a very full stew and it really does make it taste great, but it's not the meat. It's not the potatoes. It's not the carrots. It's the spice. And again, if you're doing something maybe every handful of months, that's something you're throwing in as a dash. That's not the main ingredient. Right. And so has, like you said, not every experience is going to be a positive one and lowering expectations for what it's going to be like and not having any expectations for the experience um, allows you to enjoy it and not put so much pressure on it. Right. So have you had any negative experiences that, that in any way negatively impacted your relationship together? Yeah. No, no, definitely not negative. Not nothing that's negatively impacted our relationship. And I would be cautious. I personally wouldn't position any of the things that as negative. There's uh -huh. things that have gone awry or they haven't gone the way you expected mm -hmm. and feelings have got hurt. There's been tears. But even then it's not negative because mm -hmm. even through those experiences, we've grown closer mm -hmm. to each other. We've learned stuff about ourselves and our relationship. And frankly, we've been able to grow closer to the people that were involved if mm -hmm. there was other people involved. So even when something went sideways, there was a lot of learning. If you, if you really committed to that being a not negative experience. Well, that's how you can view everything in life, right? Like mm -hmm. every experience that's maybe not the experience we would have chosen mm -hmm. is guidance for knowing ourselves more deeply and 100%. evolving and yeah. being more connected. Yeah. Not regretting the things that you do, whether or not they turn out in the way that you had hoped that they would or wouldn't, you know, so. So is there any fear that you bring someone in and sparks are flying and of it interfering in the commitment that you guys have for each other? Mm -mm. Not in, no, no, not in the commitment we have for each other. I think we've, uh, for me, we've really clearly delineated what the reason we're having that experience is. And, you know, sort of, we talked about being whole and complete. I would say our relationship is very whole and complete. Mm -hmm. And so we're bringing that in as something extra, but, it's not replacing something we don't have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a really important distinction. If somebody, mm -hmm. if some couple listening were to say like, Hey, maybe we'll consider being open. I would ask them to consider, is your relationship fully intact right now and ready to 
have that additional layer onto it because if you're looking for it to replace something it would be sort of like the couple that has a kid because their relationship isn't good maybe a kid will solve it no a kid no. will fuck you guys right up. right it like is that the is the thing. worst reason to have a kid <laughs> um, opening your relationship because things aren't working great sexually is literally the worst idea totally paradoxically i would say it's because our relationship is high functioning sexually that this works because it's not an adjunct for something we're not otherwise getting that's um, interesting. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. It's funny, you know, kind of circling back to the notion of a negative experience. Um, uh, you know, do can I tell about the one that didn't go well early mm -hmm. on? Mm -hmm. um, so we had uh, pretty early on. We'd already gone to the sex club, and things were were moving, and we were like really open. This is probably a year in, and um, we met this gal, and really we went out to dinner, really hit it off. She, intellectual, really fully formed, like our age really had her stuff together and we had a, yeah. a lovely dinner and there was a lot of, you know, all three direction energy is really good. And we're like, cool, wonderful dinner. Let's set some time down the line to make something happen. So it didn't happen that night, which was fine. We kissed a little bit and then we say goodbye. And then some months later we set it up and we had, uh, we had her over and, um, over the course of the evening, things were really copacetic. Everything was going really well. And then we all started having sex and it was going, it was going great until the point at which it wasn't. And it, this was such a relatively early experience for having just three people. It wasn't a club. There wasn't 60 people. It was just three people. Intimate. And yeah, there was a level of intimacy you didn't have when you had all those people. Mm -hmm. And it, it started to turn and it didn't go well. And that person ended up leaving. And, um, and, and we could tell there was some weird energy with her and then with us. And that was one that I think you would say, hey, that did, you know, was negative. And it, in fact, that person was really hurt. We ended up making amends with her and having coffee as individuals and talking to her um, on the phone. We had to have some conversations. But what that experience going really is we realized there were some boundaries that we didn't realize were there that we had unintentionally crossed. Mm -hmm. So there was no, it was a sin of omission, not commission. Um, we realized, hey, our bed, our own bed is probably a place we want to keep for us. So that was something we didn't realize and that didn't feel right. And then there are certain things that we do together that are really kind of signature things for us intimately that probably we want to keep for each other. Things we say or way we touch each other, hold each other. And that that's probably a line we don't want to cross. And then we also realized you're dealing with another human being, perhaps another couple as a human being. You really have to be deeply considerate of their feelings and mm -hmm. what their needs are and remember that they come into this in an incredibly vulnerable position because you have the steady relationship and they're mm -hmm. like a single person who's coming in and you need to be considerate of that in a way that is different in the way than you're considerate for each other. So through that negative, quote unquote, air quotes, experience, um, we learned so much that has set the groundwork for these things going much more smoothly and being more considerate mm -hmm. of others and being feeling really positive mm -hmm. um, such that everybody leaves that experience feeling elevated and mm -hmm. that they grew and had a wonderful time. And we were able to turn that through conversation and being vulnerable about your mistakes and those missteps. We were able to maintain a friendship with that person. Um, and uh, I think that was really important for us. And again, to what we were speaking about earlier, it deepened our relationship more because we were open about how we were feeling Experience, the experience overall. And we took all of those learnings going forward. So it was really wonderful um, to look back on, I think. So it sounds like early on, it was like, that was hot. Let's experiment. Then it goes a little bit 
too far. It, mm-hmm. And so now at a point, what you said, it's been about four years or so since then. Or you have like yeah. uh, an email you send out to someone, here are all the rules. <laughs> yeah, how does it work? Like when like, you, you said you had dinner with someone first and then you set up a time. Like, is it sort of like you're, you get to know the person a yeah, little bit? Or you know, it's interesting. I think that if we've, again, you know, we've had such different experiences, but what we found is that um, because we're such social and connected people, you know, we're not the type of people to shirk or stand in the corner. Like we go out and we want to interact with people and connect with them that I think in our, you know, in our sex lives and our, our sort of activities associated with that, we want that same standard. So we don't want it to ever just be real sterile and black and white. Like we want to connect with the person and the way that you do that is you spend time with them. Now, you know, not saying that we have to spend an exorbitant amount of time with someone, but we do want to have some conversations and get to know the person a little bit before taking it any further. Yeah, it's funny. There's relatively few times where it's like, we've just been out dancing. We met somebody and it just was electric and they came home with us. We went back to a hotel room or something. And that doesn't happen, happen very much, but it doesn't happen too much. But, it has but also the way you described it of like, this highly deeply negotiated thing with the terms and conditions yeah. and please sign at the bottom. And <laughs> it's, it's also not that cause that wouldn't be sexy or cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would say it's honestly not that different than just flirting with somebody. If you were just a single person mm-hmm. and you're meeting another single person, I think there's a lot of flirting. There's a lot of consent. I mean, the level of, it may seem like it's not hot and it takes the kind of the sexiness out of it, but negotiating consent in a situation like that and finding out what that person wants and what they're into. I think flirting, it's flirty. It's fun. It's really exciting. Like Mm -hmm. when you, because you're ratcheting up a level of vulnerability when you're like, so, and you're having this conversation where it's like, so you're really attractive. And, um, it's clear there's an, you know, there's something between us. Would you be open to that? And the person's like, well, yeah, under these circumstances, here's what would work for me. And then you're, you're in it. Now you're negotiating it. So you don't need to send an email with a bullet pointed list. You just have that you're conversation. That comes sure. out. Now, look again, kind of to somebody listening that like, oh, you make it sound like super easy. It's not like you, at some point you have to choke back your you know, your inclination to like uh, run, run away. And uh, as one of the podcasts we listen to says, you push through the awkwardness. You just say, look, this is probably going to be an awkward, (laughs) this is probably going to be an awkward ask, but would you be open to that? And if the answer is no, no harm, no foul. And there've been a couple of times where we're like, Hey, would you, you know, would you guys be open to that? Would you as an individual? And the person's like a hundred percent of the time when the answer is no, it's wow, I'm really flattered that you would think of me in that way. That's not really where I'm at, but I really appreciate you being so straightforward about it and and just putting it out there. But And literally 100% of the time, the answer is I'm flattered. No, but thank you. I'm. That's really thoughtful of you to put it out that way. And honestly, it's never awkward after that. Mm. We've laughed about it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's been individuals and couples where we put it out there and they said no and and now we're still friends. Like it never yeah, gets that's weird. wonderful that you that it doesn't get awkward afterwards. And I, th- I think it just depends on the people. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Been... And it's like you crossed over the totally. awkwardness. And yeah. we've actually had people come to us that there's definitely been some interest um, in us as a couple who've shown us what it's like to 
to be uh, can, like to to seek consent. I can mm-hmm. think of one in particular. She came right up to us and said, um, "So, what are you guys into? What are your boundaries? Let's talk about that." Oh, and we were God. like, "Whoa." Without even knowing anything about you? Well, we it was clear there was a lot of flirtiness. Like and, and we were like, oh, you're like, you. And, and it was clear we were going down that path. And she's like, why don't you guys tell me what your boundaries are and uh, what you're into? And, not <laughs> and we're like, wow. I mean, she was, it was that black and yeah. white. It was actually, we kind of giggled. We're like, wow, she's really straightforward. That's crazy. Sounds so like that's... she may have an email that follows. Yeah. <laughs> well, the funny thing, what was our answer? No, <laughs> we, we don't, I don't, we don't know. know. We never really thought yeah. we don't have any boundaries. I don't no. know. <laughs> like, uh, I was like, that's a lovely question. I don't think we need we to think about any. that. Can we get back to you? I, uh, so have you ever had like a repeated guest, encounter, <laughs> a repeated guest in your, in your repertoire? Yes. And so how does that, you know, is there a time when you're like, okay, well, this is becoming like too many times or uh, because that's um, a different level, right? It's a different dynamic, yeah. right? Yeah. It could potentially lead to a different dynamic, right? Yeah. I, um, that's interesting. Well, I think in the relationships that we've had and those experiences that we've had and the ones that have been, you know, a few times, it, it hasn't been a thing. Like we didn't say, okay, so we're going to now get together this time and then we're going to plan another date this time. They just sort of happened because the the space was there that we created for it, the level of um, friendship and relationship and connectedness that we created. And you go out with people and it, and it, and it would happen again. Um, but it was never formal mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah. It, um, the way you laid it out there, it would be like, Oh, cool. We're now going to have kind of a regular thing. And it was more just once it happened, it was always a possible, it always then becomes a possibility if you leave that situation really cleanly mm-hmm. and really positively such that if the opportunity arises, you just make it happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, Has there been someone or a couple that wants to keep going and you guys have to be like, mm. that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I don't think we've ever had to put the brakes on anything developing further. Yeah. No, I think that there's been someone who would have been interested in doing it again, but we, through conversation, and our own feelings in it, put the kibosh on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting because we're not filling an emotional gap. I mean, this is really, honestly, in the truest sense of the word, this is just for fun. I mean, this is very much a fun expression of our high level of sexual uh, uh, libido. Yeah. And we just have a huge capacity for sexual connection and find that that deepens our connection and friendships with other people. So it, it's not filling some emotional need. So I think if we do go back with somebody or other people more than once, it really hasn't led to us feeling like, Oh wow, we're so much closer to that person. Uh-huh. Are we going to get into some polyamorous sort of triad, which would be needlessly complicated and not really feeling yeah, need for us. Totally. Um, I mean, clearly there's people for whom that is really that is a model that works for them. Right. For us, it would just be way too much. Mm-hmm. Right. So you guys clearly have, you're on completely the same page. You have a very strong bond and partnership, which is so admirable and so awesome. And so aside from this, you know, little flavor that, you know, contributes to your sex life, what are the other pillars that make you guys so strong that people could learn from? What makes a really healthy, successful, awesome relationship? Yeah. Um, Well, we've talked about this before. And I think some of the things that we've come back to are, Obviously, the um, 
the being vulnerable to your own experience and bringing the other person into that experience and those emotions and thoughts, no matter how controversial or uncertain or confusing or scary they may be, I think is huge. I've said some things to him and he said some things to me that were like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but I got to tell you that I am feeling this way. And then you just open the door and you open the door, not necessarily always expecting whatever you're feeling to be either be fixed or have some sort of resolution. I think a lot in a successful relationship, speaking specifically to our own, is just about bringing the other person in to, to what you're feeling and not necessarily feeling like it needs to be fixed. That's huge. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know another thing that's really big for us is staying, uh, staying current and relevant. Um, something that has been something that we've noticed, I think, because we have the relationship we do, and we look outwardly at um, couples, and because we have school aged children, we see a lot of parents and we see a lot of couples, and we just sort of lament that it just seems like they've quit. It just feels like they've quit trying to be cool, trying to be relevant, mm-hmm. trying to do stuff that's interesting. And we just hear conversations that are so inane, like they're like, oh, my whole weekend was the kids. And all we did was went to soccer practices and birthday parties. And then we just sat at home, we watched Netflix and, and I'm like, great. And then we'll, we'll have just come back from Burning Man. They're like, what did you guys do? And we're like, oh my God, like we can't even talk to you. Like, how are we going to be like, oh, we spent a week in the desert tripping on psychedelic drugs and going to crazy dance parties. And like, okay. there's no, that is totally unrelatable, right? And we pride ourselves on the fact that we at, you know, mid forties still try and stay, do, do things that are meaningful, stay relevant, stay current. We take our physical, not just our appearance, but our physical health and well-being really seriously. We're not going to let ourselves go. We're very, I think we defend viciously our health and our physical well-being because we just don't want to see that decline and that lack of meaning about being a, a healthy, relevant, sexually vital person. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, for me, it's no small point of pride. It's like, yeah, I love the fact that I'm still kind of this, look the same as I did 10 years ago in the same way. I'm just as kind of, it helps that I have a wonderful, beautiful partner, but just as sexually voracious as I was like in college. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that, that matters to us. That is, if you ask like what a pillar is, it's like staying staying meaningful as individuals and as a couple outside of the context of the, oh, we're just, we're just parents who do all the shit parents do. Yeah. That is inspiring to hear. Right. It's very inspiring. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because it's easy to, like you said before about your relationship, it's like, it's easy to look at that as work when really Mm -hmm. it's energy, right? Mm -hmm. It's prioritizing and putting energy into your relationship, into your body, into your health Mm -hmm. and into your, into your life. Rather than just letting things just yeah. go and go and, and like, giving oh, up. I think giving, giving up, up is a really yeah. big thing. Um, it's a, a cycle of life that we've actually seen many people go through. You know, you get to a certain point in life and let's say finally you get to a point where you marry and then you have one kid and have two kids. And it's like there's this trajectory that you're supposed to follow that we all know about. But you don't have to follow that just because you were told to follow it. You know, you don't have to get in the line just because there's a line there. You can actually do something quite different. Um, and then another thing, uh, back to to the question that you asked, Brian, in terms of, you know, our relationship and the success of it is admiration. Mm. 
That's a real big one. Mm-hmm. I admire him, you know. Um, I see all the things that he does in his life relative to what he was just talking about, but I also see him as a parent. I see him as, um, you know, an employee of the company that he works for and how he really has embraced his career and where he's taken it. And I see him as the partner that he is to me and the friend that he is to his friends. And I admire him. And I think that that is, that's really huge. And I, I, I like to think that he sees that in me too. And um, that's a huge part because if you don't admire the person that you're with, like if you don't see something in them that's like striking and really resonates with you, then what's, why, what, what, what are you there for? Yeah. Because that person is also seeing themselves through your eyes, right? Cause your partner is a mirror for you. So and if you don't, it, yeah, the correlation between the health of you as an individual and the health of your relationship is so close. It's because of that admiration. Because if you didn't take care of yourself, if you let yourself go in a variety of ways, not just physically, maybe the admiration wouldn't be there. And that's the decline of the body, Mm -hmm. both physically and mentally, can result in the decline of a relationship. Yeah, oh, for sure. We we talk with a lot of friends. A lot of friends ask us for help on things, whether it's career or relationships, their own personal stuff, growth. And um, we realize that Oftentimes that, you know, the issues they're having in the relationship are proxies for stuff they haven't sorted out about themselves. And we ask them, we're like, tell us about your identity. What, what matters to you? And at what level does it matter? Like your spiritual identity, is that really important to you? Okay, cool. At level one to 10, what is it? Is it a nine? Okay, great. Spiritual, sexual, financial, uh, intellectual, like go down the line, physical. Like there's probably a, we could enumerate six or eight or 10 realms of identity that have varying levels of importance. And when we start to drill down, what we learn is they've at some point either not spent the time to figure out what those realms of identity are for them and at what level they're important. And if they have, they've in the context of a relationship, they've generally settled on something. Mm -hmm. And so we'll have conversations where we're like, well, you know, he's great. He's such a good provider and he's, you know, he's really wonderful and everything, but you know, but the sex isn't that great, but that shouldn't matter. And I'm like, well, how important is sex to you? And they're like, well, it's like a 10, you know, on a scale of one to 10, it's like an 11. And I'm like, oh, but it shouldn't matter to you. Oh, okay. Well then why don't you just ignore this thing that's really fucking important to you and then come to us and wonder why you're not happy in that relationship. Does that make any sense? And they're like, yeah, but sex shouldn't be that important. I'm like, oh, but because he's got a good sense of humor and you haven't had an orgasm in a year, everything should be fine. Like, how does that even make sense? <laughs> right? If, if money was really important to you and the guy had no job, you wouldn't stand for it. You'd be like, fuck it, the guy's super lazy. I'm out of here. But because it's just sex. <laughs> you're like, oh my God. <laughs> and not to gender it, it goes both ways, right? So it's it's the same thing in the other direction. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, people are inclined to settle because it's, oh, that shouldn't be such a big deal. What's a big deal to you? Exactly. Right. Brian, you asked earlier life. if something's normal. I'm like, I don't know what's normal, but look at your own life and um, on those realms of identity. What are important to you mm-hmm. and where, which ones aren't that important? Because mm-hmm. if intellectual isn't that important and he's not that smart, then it doesn't matter that he's not that smart. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. finding those things out are real, is really important. And sometimes, you know, you don't find those out until late in life and that's totally okay. But the thing is, you should be looking for them, mm-hmm. you know? I'm reminded of that time that Haven didn't have an orgasm for like six days. And it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. It was a real, that was a moment for it was us. A struggle. But we, we pushed through it. The struggle's real, but we pushed through that. <laughs> it's important to know so yourself. So, are there ever times where you guys have been um, 
off or just not on the same page? Sexually speaking or just in general? Yeah, sexually and otherwise. What has made your, it seems like you guys are like so aligned in this really awesome way, but is there any time when you're, when you're off? Yeah. I mean, we're not, you know, we're just human beings like everybody else. And so we definitely have days where it's like, you know, something we've identified when it happens. Yeah. All six of those days, it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Very good. We have, what we've gotten good at is being able to identify when the grooves are off and we will use that language. I'm like, okay, it is clear. We are just a few grooves off. The needle is not on the record right now. Why don't we spend some time apart? And it can be 20 minutes. It can be two hours, something. But we've had times where we literally are just at each other. We can't figure out why. And and that's okay. It maybe doesn't matter why in the moment. And we've learned to basically create a cycle where it's like, we're going to part, kind of get out of being hijacked emotionally, and then come back in with a really clean slate and come back in and be like, okay, let's just acknowledge what is. What is is that we're not clicking. And we need to be okay with that and treat each other gently in that moment. Because when we just keep trying to push, like we're going to solve this. It just, you know, as with anything, it will escalate and escalate. And we've only had a, I mean, very minimal (laughs) amount of times where we've let it get sort of out of control. Um, And what we've identified is that often times it's from external circumstances, Mm. you know, Maybe we've had a, I don't know, it's a tough yes. day with, mm-hmm. with the kids or maybe something at work has happened. Maybe you just got cut off on the road and you brought that energy into the house. We tend to find that it's it's something external or it's something that maybe we haven't really addressed mm. inside mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. And by way of maybe taking a break from it and kind of thinking through it and 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 recognizing that we need to do that. I've, I've speaking for myself, I've uncovered that a lot where I've stepped away from a situation, thought about it, gone for a run or done something and be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I've come back to him and talked to him about it. And I think one of the things that gets us over those humps is that we recognize where our misstep was, our fault. Mm. And we, we really are very active and not holding on to grudges because we both know from our prior relationships that that doesn't get you anywhere. All it does is just that the grudge gets more and more and more and more. The wedge gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And next thing you know, you're just like offloading on someone and it never, it never really heals. So taking responsibility and then forgiving. Totally. Instantly forgiving. You know, something that that allows that to be true is the belief that each of us has the other person's best interest at heart. Yeah. And I know in, in past relationships, I didn't truly believe that about the other person. And I don't know if I even, if I was being honest with myself that I believed that I had, you know, that I was had the best person, that other person's best interest at heart. And I think a, a critical difference here is I really believe that, Haven does have that for me. She has my best interest at heart. She wouldn't intentionally do harm. Now, look, you can, you you accidentally step on someone's foot. Your foot still hurts. If somebody accidentally steps on your foot, it still hurts. Mm -hmm. But if they turn around, they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I stepped on your foot. Oh my, here, let me help make that better. 
you feel like, okay, hey, it's cool, it's cool, like, we'll get past this. If they step on your foot, turn around and go, take that motherfucker, <laughs> then you're like, oh my God, this is horrible, right? That's the best example. That is. It's the best example because it's so on point. It, right. Yeah. If, if, that, if that person at Coachella turns around and like, oh, I'm so sorry. You're like, it's cool. We'll just keep dancing. Um, and I think when we have metaphorically stepped on each other's foot, it's knowing, hey, that person didn't do that to me on purpose. They didn't make me feel, I feel right. bad. She's made me feel bad. And I have certainly done the same to her. But we look at each other like, you triggered something in me. I felt a certain way. Maybe that's running through filters from my past relationships, from my life. And, and that triggered me in a certain way. But I don't think you went in there and intentionally twisted right. the knife. Like, so let's talk about that. How can we behave differently to each other such that it doesn't? Mm -hmm. And I mean, circling all the way back to the edgy sex part of our life that all wouldn't probably be possible if there was that nagging sense of insecurity that this person isn't in it for the long haul this person doesn't have my best interests at heart and the reason we can take some pretty big you know risks in our sex life is because hey even if things melt down we're still going to walk out of here together and laugh about it and be like okay we did we gave it a shot it didn't work we're not going to walk out of there and be like you did this to me How and you made you? me feel this way. And you're coming in as a team. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And, and leaving and as a team. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we've, it's like leaving as a team. We've walked out of some situations that went really well and felt like we just robbed a bank. Like we've had some amazing experiences where we were it just in. Thick as thieves. In Nirvana, just crazy sex Nirvana for hours. And we walk out and I, I'm thinking what in particular, yeah. we were walking out of this it was like an invite super exclusive there was like 12 or 14 people it was like at this warehouse this very high-end kind super of loft high -end warehouse loft this sex party that somebody was throwing and everybody I don't, was hot yeah was i mean everybody nuts. was like a 10 just like one of those movies um, it really was yeah and we walk out and it's like three in the morning or four in the morning and we're walking down this massive concrete hallway poured concrete hallway in this old downtown warehouse and we're like pretty much we're pretty much we're high five we're giggling we're like let's just go like before anybody pops this bubble and, and truly like amazing. we we came in as a team and it was incredible you and then we as left champions I, as a team. yeah honestly it was like a mic drop moment we're driving home like what just happened oh my god yeah. we were amazing yeah. do you guys have a code word like if things aren't going well We've talked about it before, but we've never gotten, like, we've never really decided on something. I think it's just, you know, each other, you know, well like I can, like to, he can right. see it in my face yeah. or I can see it in his, like. Abort mission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, that happened pretty recently where I was just like, I'm like, hey, Jen, I'm done. Like, I'm yeah. just, it's just not. And the thing with that, like, you have to be respectful to that. You know, I think people are often surprised um, because, it, you know, somebody, you come in with your own baggage and your own experiences to, to all these you know, situations and, uh, scenarios. And so I think people are often a little surprised with us at how much of a team team we are in that regard. Like, are you sure he's okay? Like, is this okay? You know, yes, totally. Okay. Like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't okay. And, um, I think hopefully one thing we really try to do, and this is something that we learn, um, from a, another podcast that we listen to is to, uh, leave the campground in better shape than you found it. Yeah. And we really so adhere what does that to that. Mean to you? I'm sorry. What does that mean to you? What that means to, to me is that whatever situation you're coming into, not understanding where that person or persons are coming from, you have to do 
take your own responsibility in your job to give them an experience that they're able to walk away positively about mm. um, and sort of own that responsibility. And that's really owning responsibility in yourself, right? And your words and your actions and your emotions. Um, it's important. And I think we're both very active in that. One more question. So I know you each have a child from a previous relationship. Mm-hmm. You said one of them was, mm-hmm. and the other one's how old? Yeah. So how does that impact, like when you're going on, you know, puberty, soon to be like the sex talks and introducing them to their own sexuality, how would you go about sort of approaching that topic with your child and mm-hmm. and bringing them into this, you know, world? Yeah, well... We've had, yeah. we've had conversations yeah. already. I mean, I, I, I think you've so, really approached it well. Yeah. Um, I think we feel really firm on this one. And, uh, you know, look, we co-parent with other people and fortunately everyone's aligned on this. And the, I think the general point of view is a human being's sexual identity is going to be core to who they are. It's going to be one of those things with a few outlying sort of, you know, asexual people who maybe are, are very much the, probably on the edge of that. Most people are going to have some higher or lower level of sexual identity. And it should be something that our children own and celebrate. And my personal point of view, and I think this is shared, is our job is to keep them from getting pregnant, keep them from getting sexually assaulted, keep them from getting diseases, give them the information to prevent those things from happening. Our job is not to prevent them from having sex. And something that has been incredible incredibly frustrating to me as a dad I, I cannot tell you it puts my teeth on edge is when people are like wow man you got you got some cute daughters you're really gonna have to fight the boys off and i'm like no i'm fucking not that is not my job my job is not to prevent those children from having sex my job is to keep them from getting pregnant and give them the information to, that. information to yeah. get not get pregnant not get assaulted not get a disease if they don't get pregnant they don't get assaulted and they don't get a disease and they have great sex at 16 and a half. Have I failed or have I wildly succeeded? Wildly succeeded. And, and, and the notion that I'm going to somehow be the guardian of their chaste behavior mm-hmm. is kind of honestly pervy and creepy. It's I'm that's not my her sexual identity is really not my business except to nurture and grow. It's not to protect. And I'm telling you, and this is gendered as a dad. People say that to me and I'm like, I I'm afraid I don't know what you mean. Well, you know, you know, prevent guys. I'm like, that's not really my job. And then everybody starts backpedaling again. I'm like, you're the one who made it weird. Like, (laughs) um, but truly, I think my point of view is let's keep, let's raise these girls so that they are strong women who have a strong point of view on their sexual identity. And enjoy sex. And enjoy sex. They should have a ball. If they're 17 and have a partner and own it, and maybe that partner is a man, maybe it's a woman. I don't give a shit. They should own that identity. And it is so toxic, particularly in the U.S. I think there's just this toxic mm-hmm. conversation for young women around their sexual identity where it's something to be guarded and protected. And if you give it away, you failed. And, nah, 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 nah. and I'm like, this is such bullshit. And it's harmful to young women. It's harmful to them as young women. It's harmful to them as adult women where they have to unlearn all this stuff. Sorry, I'm really passionate about this. I love this is what so you're saying. I'm so glad I asked this right. question. <laughs> it's, it, it just gets me so fired up because I mm-hmm. think the negative effects of this on both boys and girls, but we're not raising boys. But I think these negative effects too, because then you get this toxic masculinity where the young boys think, well, my only goal is to to take this thing that these women are guarding. And it's like, what, how did we get to this place? Yeah. So anyway, I'm pretty fired up about it, but to long answer to your question, 
we're fully aligned. Like this conversation, it's an open conversation with these young women that we're raising. And it's one where sex will be viewed positively and it'll be viewed as something they own and something that they should have total control over. And if they stay safe and healthy and non-pregnant. I love that. And I think also just to add to that, like appropriately, right? It's not that, you know, for... We're, we're all of a sudden opening this door full of ever, the world of sex and all that it encounters at a at a young age. No, I think totally. it's, it's age appropriate. OK, so someone and just beginning to become aware of what that actually is. It's not just talking about the biology of it. It's talking about more. It's talking about what the pleasure is of it and really just having these gentle, you know, sensitive conversations and seeing what they resonate with. It's not coming in with the book. Right. <laughs> Yeah, she couldn't be more right. The the notion that a sex ed conversation from a parent to a kid is a biology textbook is absurd. I know. I was actually having a conversation with friends last night, and a lot of them are from the South, and a lot of them were told to, like, literally had to, like, write out how evil it was to have sex before getting married, yeah. wearing chastity rings, all of these things that, you know— really complicate the subject, mm-hmm. you know, make it very confusing yeah. and make the pleasure aspect of it feel like it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, having that conversation is so important. Yeah, it's very important. And, you know, and I think it's important that all adults in that guardian and parent role are aligned as well. You don't yeah. want misinformation to be given in one household and the right. other. So there needs to be some, you know, in, in a co-parenting situation, conversations happening and agreement right. to how the information is disseminated as well. So that takes some vulnerability and maturity too right. to broach those topics, not just with the, the child. Absolutely. Absolutely. So all right, guys. Well, anything else that you want to add before we wrap up? I know you guys led a course, uh, you know, about how to live your best life. And if there's any just pearls of wisdom that you want to drop before we, we finish up. Um, I think the, the biggest thing, and this was one of the lessons that we left that, that class with for me, and I'll like speak to sort of his biggest takeaway because, you know, in, in the short time that we've been together, we have unearthed these lessons, if you will, that have really resonated. In fact, we did a an, an outreach to some of our friends, our closest younger friends, and said, hey, we've known you a number of years and we've had some really deep conversations. What's resonated with you? And we we didn't know what we were going to get back. And, and it was such an interesting experiment for us because what we found as they replayed what we had talked about with them were these high-level themes. And they were things that some things we were surprised, but most of them we were like, oh yeah, these are sort of those big topics. And the one for me, I think is really just owning yourself and owning your emotions, actions, words, and efforts and taking responsibility for that. And sometimes you're going to get it right. And most often you're going to get it wrong. But if you admit and open up about, hey, I got this wrong, the strides that you can take in that relationship, even if it's just with yourself, are incredible and it pushes you that much further in your life. So that's a big one for me because it was a huge uh, growth opportunity that I went through um, out of the last relationship that I was in and into to the one with that space of time where I said, I recognized my role in past relationships that hadn't worked. 
And for a long period of time, I had never done that before. It was always the other person. I didn't have any fault in it. And once I, I accepted responsibility for that, my whole, my whole life changed. It's so empowering. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, um, yeah, Jesse referenced the, uh, the, the course or the, the, the talk we gave to a group of students and, um, the, the, the course was titled the game of life. And we were, we titled it that it was kind of the last thing we did when we were building the course. Like, what should we call it? What should we call it? And like, yeah, the game of life. Everybody remembers that board game, mm -hmm. you know, the board yeah. game, you start and you spin the thing and you move along the board game. And, and there's this very linear, knowable path. And you start and you go to grade school, middle school, high school, college, and you graduate, you did it and you get your first job and then you get a car and then you get a wife and then you get a house and you get a kid. And, and it's this linear path. And what was funny is when, we were talking to the kids. We started with a, a blank arrow on the, this PowerPoint. I say kids, they're college students. And, and we're like, okay, what happens for, you know, high school? And then what next? College. What after that? Maybe grad school. Cool. <laughs> and they knew the game of life without any prompting. And the funny thing is, is we had already put all those markers and we just kept revealing them on the slide as they said it. And they're like, wow. Oh. And I'm like, so without any prompting, you know exactly how your life, quote unquote, air quotes, should be. You know you should do this and this and this and this. And then at about 28, all your friends are going to get married. And that'll end at about 32. You've got to seven weddings a summer for about four years. <laughs> and then about five years later, the first couple get divorced. I was that I was that couple. And, um, and then you have a wave of divorces and everybody has the second kid. And then a bunch of people are miserable, but they don't get divorced. And they'll bitch to you about that. And, then, da, 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 and all these things happen. And we're like, so that's the game of life. That is the game without any conscious choice making that you are playing right now and our ask of you is to spend some time thinking about have you ever made a choice at all or have you just wow. blindly played the game of life because we just mapped out every choice you plan on making without knowing you we've known you for tw we're three slides into this wow mm -hmm. and and what our ask is is be conscious of why you're making the choices you're making because i'd submit they're not choices at all you are blindly walking through a life that has been prescribed for you by your parents, by your peers, by your church, by your society, by your the things you think people want you to do. And we did that. And let me tell you where it led. It led to two marriages that ended that weren't terribly satisfactory. It led to a lot of heartache. But in the end, we got there. What we want for you is not to have to go through all that to get to where we got at 45 years old. Get there when you're 25 years old by thinking about why you're choosing the things you're choosing and if you're choosing them at all. And what we hope to leave them with was this notion that I want the next thing that I do to be the thing that I want to do because it's meaningful to me and it's moving me in the direction of the life that I want to lead. And what we leave them, what one of the things we left them with was a video from the philosopher Alan Watts and a terrific philosopher. And mm -hmm. he, he has this you know short little clip. You can see it on YouTube. And, and he talks about how as a metaphor, life is not a journey. It's not starting at point A and ending at point B. And if you live that way, you're going to just tick off these sort of cairns, these little mileposts along the way, and you're going to get to the end and feel terribly unsatisfied. And you're going to be old and infirm and look back and be like, all I did was the things that everybody expected me to. And he goes, the better metaphor for life is that of a dance. One does not dance to get from point A to point B. The point of dancing is to dance. Mm -hmm. You don't win the dance if you dance the fastest. You don't win the dance if you get to a spot on the floor. Mm -hmm. If people did that, all they would do is rush out on the dance floor and go to spot B and consider themselves successful dancers. <laughs> and so what we end the, what we end the talk mm -hmm. with is this talk was never called the game of life. This talk is really about helping you dance the dance of life. And, um, yeah. So I Brian, guess. Brian, I know you, 
you definitely resonate I with this. Resonate with you say there. <laughs> I think there might be some tears in his eyes. <laughs> um, and you guys, I guess I would leave you with the same thing. And the listeners, I forget we're talking to a, a bunch of people we will never see. Um, consider those choices and make sure that they are choices indeed and not just blindly following. I mean, I think Haven and I blindly followed for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And the point at which we started dancing was fortunately at the point just before we met each other, such that when, mm -hmm. when we arrived on the dance floor of life, we were already moving. Yeah. And, and it's, if, if Jesse, you say like, gosh, you seem to flow pretty effortlessly. It's, it's because we're dancing. We're not, mm -hmm. we're not in a game. I love Amazing. that. Oh, you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much it's for coming yeah, on. Thank you. Seriously, we're this so really grateful. Fun. And I know that you're inspiring so many people listening right now. Yeah, so thank, thank you. you. Really appreciate it. <laughs>